Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale September 25th, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. This week, Tucker, you and I, alongside Judy Stevens, host of Women of Marvel, and uh, our own pod producer, uh, Becca, will be in San Francisco! That's right. Yeah, we're going to Lucasfilm and a bunch of other secret places. Um, But if you're in the area, we want to see you. So on Thursday, September 26th at 6.30 p.m., uh, I will be hosting a live episode of This Week in Marvel at San Francisco at San Francisco's Cartoon Art Museum, which is at 781 Beach Street in San Francisco. My guest co-host for the episode will be Gregarious Greg Miller, co-founder and wonderful loudmouth of Kinda Funny with their podcast and their video series. This part we may or may not use because we have to figure out if Arthur is still on board. Oh, right. Joining us for a chat there at the Cartoon Art Museum will be legendary artist Arthur Adams. Are you kidding me? It's so cool. Plus, I'm bringing comics and toys to give away. Um, it's going to be really fun. The event is open to the public, but we recommend you RSVP uh, to RSVP email podcasts at marvel.com with your name and the names of anyone you're bringing. It's, it's totally not necessary. You can just show up, but we're trying to get a, a, an idea of headcount and stuff like that ahead of time. Um, so that's going to be super fun. Tucker, I'm sure you'll be there mm-hmm. uh, heckling and, and you know throwing comics at, at people. That's right. Um, but we're then going to go on Friday, September 27th. I will be joining Greg Miller and the Kind of Funny crew for a few of their shows. You can watch live at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames or later on YouTube. Um, They're kind of funny on YouTube or kind of funny games on YouTube. Uh, Or, of course, listen to their podcast. It's going to be super fun. I think I'm doing We Have Cool Friends and maybe one or two other shows. Um, So that's going to be really good. Um, Tucker, I'm very glad you're coming because I've been to Lucasfilm. It's it's not like a brag thing. It's like I've been to Lucasfilm like five or six times. Over Every chance I get, I go. Mm -hmm. But I'm more excited to like step back and let you enjoy and experience this yeah we haven't you and i haven't really spoken about this yet because you know details have have finally been confirmed for the trip but like i'm actually worried (laughs) that it's going to be too surreal for me to actually enjoy it you know what i mean like i'm i'm like i'm gonna have to like find a method to like bring myself back down to earth so i could actually convince myself that this is real and like i'm here and it's like this is really happening because uh, at this point, I it's still absolutely not real to yeah. me. It's it's I words I pod, <laughs> podcasts require words. I have none. <laughs> uh, make sure you save a little room in your caffeine budget for the day so you can get a coffee at Java the Hut. Oh. That's right. Yeah. It's great. That's just the tip <laughs> of the iceberg. We're going to do some stuff with Lucasfilm and uh, a lot of stuff on Marvel's The Pull List and This Week in Marvel that we'll be sharing uh, after the trip, of course. Mm-hmm. But we got to get into this week's books because there are 942 of them out this week. Oh, yeah. There really are. First up is Absolute Carnage, Miles Morales, number two, written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Federico Vincenti, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, And this one has a big note at the beginning. The events of this story take place after Absolute Carnage, number two. I like, I love having those notes in the books. I think it's really important because you don't want a reader who is trying to follow a full storyline if they miss something that you want, you know, I want everybody to read things in the order if they are trying to read everything. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but man, poor, poor Miles. He he basically got done taken over by Symbiote. Carnage <laughs> got him. And uh, yeah. so this issue is all about him struggling between the the like the symbiote null driven carnageized like imperative to kill that is in his head versus trying to remain himself and help people and and not do terrible things and so you know that struggle drives the entire issue it's really really cool yeah it's been a rough few months for miles um okay next up we have amazing spider-man number 30 and this is the first absolute carnage tie-in for uh the webhead uh, main series here. Uh, this is written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Nathan Fairbairn, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, it's so cool uh, to see, you know, w- with a major series like this, like Amazing Spider-Man, like one of the flagship series of Marvel Comics, to see how really truly ingrained it is with Absolute Carnage. Because it could be like, you could just have a nod to it, you could have this or that, and it would be fine, it would be great. But really, this felt like a big issue to me, and it felt like um, a lot of building blocks have actually really taken all the this kind of Carnage stuff into account, and it's becoming uh, a really crucial part of this story, because obviously you have Peter Parker, obviously then you have the Carnage symbiote, you have the Venom symbiote, those are all like part of the same family in a big way. Then you also have Norman Osborn, who's a huge part of this Absolute Carnage story. Um, and obviously, there's so much to deal with there. We dig into that in this issue. But it's really, really cool in Amazing Spider-Man because we have Kindred, who is this kind of undead, I don't know, like monstrous villain that we've seen um, uh a few times before in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. So to see how that weaves in and to see how Nick is adding his own flavors to this event, taking and and giving stuff at the same time, it it really felt like a really big, super crucial issue. It was great. Yeah, the the Kindred stuff is really interesting because you get a lot more teased about what and who this person could be in this issue. And I was like, ooh, uh, like we're 30 issues in. Kindred, I think, you know, showed up right at the beginning of this run. Right. And like now we're like, I can't wait to learn, continue to learn more about the character. Totally. Uh, all right. Up next is Avengers number 24. This is part three of Challenge of the Ghost Riders. It is called Cosmic Ghost Rider versus the Avengers. It is by Jason Aaron, Stefano Caselli, and Luciano Vecchio with colors by Jason Keith, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And uh, man, this one has two tracks in it. It is Cosmic Ghost Rider versus the Avengers in Avengers Mountain. That's one side of things. The other is our uh, current Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes, running the Challenge of the Ghost Riders in Hell versus Johnny Blaze. And that is basically a race through Hell uh, for power, for, you know, all the marbles, as they say. Yeah. And um, it's a lot of fun. You get to see tons of former Ghost Riders hanging out, talking, sort of like, you know, Telling Robbie, you know, like, you can do this. We believe in you. You got this kid. You know, Knuckles O'Shaughnessy is in there. You've got mm-hmm. the original Ghost Rider from 1 million BC and, and so many more. Uh, there's a really cool moment in the Avengers Mountain Air, uh, story where Cosmic Ghost Rider's skull gets impaled on Mjolnir. Yeah. I will leave it at that to figure out, for you to figure <laughs> out how that happens. Uh, and then, of course, there's a Celestial in Hell. So, of course. All, all the things. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Avengers Loki Unleashed, number one. This is written by Roger Stern with art by Ron Lim. Um, holy moly. Then we have colors by Espen Grindetcher and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is 
you know, kind of everything you would expect from this creative team because it's it feels really like classic old school Avengers story and that it's fun. It's kind of wacky in all the right ways, um, but it also carries great drama in it. Uh, it's a really nice mashup for me of like old school, like kind of 60s era uh, Avengers story, but with like a, um, you know, something of a more modern twist in certain storytelling ways and things like that. We also, we have like the Avengers like riding giant bats and stuff which is awesome um uh, or at least that's what they look like uh um yeah it's it's like you look at those two names at the top of this book and you're like how could it not be excellent so what is also interesting is like the deep continuity connections that this issue does have it is uh set right after the iconic classic 1987 story avengers under siege which i don't know if you ever read that one tucker um you really if you've never read it it's avengers under siege is basically baron zemo forming a new masters of evil uh and storming avengers mansion it is one of like the seminal avengers you know like stories where they have to overcome the worst odds uh hercules black knight and jarvis are almost killed like they are Mm. basically all three of them put in a comas uh avengers mansion is pretty much destroyed um the the avengers have to like face almost insurmountable odds it's a fantastic story it's really really good so it ties into that and then a whole bunch of other beats that were going on in like 1987 1986 88 avengers stuff Mm -hmm. like all the various titles um but then What's really fascinating to me is there's a big villain in here who Loki is involved with and then the Avengers get involved with that has only shown up like four times, Hmm. like three or four times in all of Marvel history. Um, I won't say necessarily what this character's name is if you read the book, but it ties to a 1974 Doctor Strange story from Marvel premiere issues 13 and 14 (laughs) – which then ties into the creation of the entire Marvel universe. And so it is like this big, warped, really cool story on top of all the things you were talking about with like mm-hmm. these classic creators and, and all this stuff. It is a, it's a wild story. Nice. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, up next is Black Panther number 16. This is uh, part of book three of the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. And uh, this is by ta Coates and Daniel Acuna. And, of course, lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. I want to give a shout-out to cover artists because the cover artists together are Daniel Cunha and Cafu. And then they signed it, Cafunya, no, on, on. on the cover. And, like, it is a beautiful <laughs> cover of Injataka with, like, the like symbiote powered up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, about to slash down on uh, T'Challa, who's, like, meditating. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. Um, but, yeah, there's a, a big full page splash in this issue of storm that is like you know the, the term blows the doors off a of place blows the mm-hmm. roof off a of place that's this page oh, it is so good gorgeous it is magnificent there's awesome moments with t'challa and ramonda and shuri and others but that storm moment in there and all the storm stuff in this issue whoo Oof, my fave. So awesome. From one Tanahasi Coates story to another, this is Captain America number 14, obviously written by Tanahasi alongside Nico Walter on art and colors by Matt Mila and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We have a really interesting kind of, it's one of those story structures where someone's chasing someone and then that person is chasing someone else in a, in a way um, uh, that I love. And, and what I mean by that is kind of like, 
Um, we have, you know, a group of like b- baddies who are after Cap and the Daughters of Liberty. And then we also have Cap who is after someone else, but then also Nick Fury's involved. It's, it's really interesting stuff and it's great stuff. I, I love this kind of overall meditation um, that's happening right now with kind of Cap stepping back a little bit from the mantle. Um, uh, also, you know, also kind of fully still being involved, but, uh, you know, uh, wondering a little bit more uh, what it all means, what Captain America means. That's kind of the legend of Steve. This is part three or part two of, of that arc. So to see Cap do that uh, and have uh, others um, kind of step up in his place uh, is really cool. There's some great action beats, especially as we move towards, I think, like the second half of this issue um, that you just feel like are totally cinematic. You can kind of feel the music swell a little bit when maybe someone enters the room or enters the fight, something like that. Uh, It's really cool and and like, you know, great little feels when that happens. Uh, I also want to shout out the beginning of the issue, which has uh, a scene of Echo getting into a bar fight, yeah. which is just tons of fun. Yeah, it's it really is. cool. All right, up next is Fearless number three. Uh, this is uh, an anthology series with a main story and then two backup stories, as we've been seeing past couple of issues. The main story, called Campfire Song, is uh, part three of that story, written by Shauna McGuire, art by Claire Rowe, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, I love this story a ton. Mm-hmm. It's basically... Um, Captain Marvel, Storm, and Invisible Woman are invited to uh, speak at a a summer camp. Uh, Ms. Marvel is also there as one of the campers. Uh, And so, like, there's antics and there's weird stuff. There's a big mystery that Ms. Marvel is, like, very intent on figuring out. Uh, Big toad aliens show up in this issue, which is a lot of fun. But uh, the way Shaunan writes Captain Marvel, like, just waking up needing coffee and, like, just (laughs) hanging out in the middle of of all this stuff is fantastic. That is enough to bring you in. But then we have two more stories. One of them is called Copycat, written by Zoe Quinn, art by Marika Cresta, colors by Irma Navila. Um, Zoe has you know, been involved in um, video games for a long time. I believe this is her first story for us. It was great. It introduces a new character into Hellcat's world mm-hmm. uh, alongside Hellcat. That was just so much fun. It was like a big bouncing Hellcat story. And I really, really dug it. Like, I want more, more, more of that. And then the last story is called Jubilation, written by Alyssa Wong with art by Alti Fermancia, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And I mean, it's a Jubilee Wolverine story. (laughs) How do you go wrong with that? You don't. It is great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, It's the two of them just goofing around. It is good times. Okay, next up we have Ghost Spider number two. Oh, man. This is a good one, as to be expected, when something is written by Shauna McGuire uh, with Takeshi Miyazawa uh, on art and inks by Takeshi and Rosie Campy, colors by Ian Herring and letters by VC's Clayton Cowles. Uh, The Jackal is involved here. Okay, tell me if I'm wrong. The Jackal has connections to What's-His-Nuts from Counter-Earth. Am I right? What's his nuts? Uh, well, Mount Wondergore, Wonder High Wonder Evolutionary. Born. High Evolutionary. But I would, yeah. I would like us to all call him What's his nuts from now on. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, uh, back to uh, Ghost Spider. This is such a good issue, and uh, you know, I can just like see the Spidey office talking to Shannon and being like, "Duh, she's perfect for a Spidey book," and she is. It, like, this is so perfect. It captures. More than anything, the spirit and the soul of what any given Spidey book is. 
Um, and really with uh, Ghost Spider, it is such a spin with Gwen Stacy. It's sp- such a specific mix of her personal life versus her superhero life. It's unique in such specific ways that obviously echo Peter Parker or Miles Morales or whoever it might may be. Spider-Woman, whoever, that carries this kind of mantle. But it also has its unique kind of punk, um, neon twist with like a really, really super dark edge to it. And that is something that we are digging more and more into with this series that I just absolutely love. Um, To see uh, Gwen manage so many different aspects of her life, to see how uh, this setup you know, has been tailored between her experiences on Earth-65 and the 616. Now that she's going to ESU uh, for school, everything that's going on there, what's going on with her father, now what's going on with the Jackal. Um, It's just such a fun mixture. Honestly, I'm loving every single one of these issues. This was almost one of my picks this week. So Yeah, same here. It's it's so good. Um, What I I love about it is all the personal stuff. I like Mm -hmm. the superheroing stuff. You know, it's great. Sean has that easily. But I don't think we have enough of the personal side that we're getting in this book Mm -hmm. across the line. Like her going to school, her, you know, like hanging out with her dad, talking like all those beats elevate this book uh, so high in my esteem that I like I could give me more of that. I want all of that. Up next is League of Legends Lux. Number five, uh, this is the end of this limited series. is written by John O'Brien, penciled by Billy Tan of Tan Comics, inks by Shen Shen and Taco of Tan Comics, with colors by Gadsden of Tan Comics, letters by Jean Rochelle of Comic Craft. Uh, and this one, yeah, like I said, this is the wrap-up of the series. Lux takes a, a big stand for mages in this issue. It's got some really sweet moments. Uh, ends on a bit of a cliffhanger for the Lux lore. I don't you know, I don't know the the world or the character that well, so I don't know where this fits in inside the overall mythology of League of Legends and where Lux is. She gets a cool weapon by the end of it, um, and I want to give you know shout out because the coloring for the all the magic stuff in this book is really really neat. All right, on to Marvel Comics presents number nine. Uh, this is another final issue. This is the final part of MCP for this year. Uh, it has got the conclusion of Wolverine the Vigil, the big Wolverine story that has been going on across every issue of this run. It is written by Charles Soule, pencils by Dio Nevis and Paolo Sequeira, inks by Oren Jr. and colors by Frank D'Armato, with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, so this is the big ending to the, the truth storyline, the truth that this demon that was unleashed it's the very beginning of World War II, um, and so this is really neat how it wraps up, especially the final moments. It sort of takes the entirety of the story, uh, takes that Wolverine has this child, she was involved in all this, and how it brings her into it. Um, and, like, I don't know if we'll see these characters again because it feels – I don't want to give anything away if you've been reading it, right? Like, the way it wraps up, I'm not sure – how we would see them again but if we do i would really like that it was a lot of fun it was a really cool story um and a great like way to to you know tie it up with a bow there's also in this issue a second story that is a wolverine story that's not a wolverine story uh this one is written by zach thompson and lonnie nadler with art by andre lima rohu with uh colors by chris o'halloran and lettering by vc's joe caramagna uh, and this one's really neat. I say it's a Wolverine story, but not a Wolverine story because it's basically a guy who's like jacking into the net. Yeah. 
He's jacking into the X, EXE, yes. uh, and his avatar is Wolverine, and so he's trying to like save things, and then you go back and forth between his Wolverine avatar and then out to who he is in, in like his real world. Uh, it's a really cool, weird, cyberpunky story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to dig it, especially because Andre Limo just – so good. So good. Okay, next up we have Marvel Team-Up number six. This is written by Clint McElroy with art by Iguara, colors by Filippo Sobrero, and letters in production by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, this has been such a fun ride. This is the last issue of uh, of this uh, story that we have here uh, between Captain Marvel and Kamala. I've really enjoyed it because it's, kind of be, it's been a great look at um, kind of – subtextually or reading between the lines a lot of the time a great look at the kind of lineage of Captain Marvel because you start with Marvel and then you go to Carol and then Carol is obviously like a big sister figure to Kamala um so it's been really cool to see uh that all mixed into one and really it just this issue specifically has made me think again about how cool Carol's side of the universe is i mean that's a very broad terms but like star force is so cool and like the specific aspect of like her role in the universe what her job is i just love it i think it's so awesome um uh, i also want to compliment iguara uh on his there's some great acting moments in here there's some really great facial expressions and things like that um it's really unique look and i think it totally works for this story in this this series Uh, i caught a tweet from steven wacker uh, former ah. Spidey editor, current, I don't know, vice president of creative things, yeah, yeah. whatever his title is. He put out a tweet saying something like controversial opinion. Marvel 2 and 1 is a better team-up book than Marvel team-up. Whoa. And so Marvel 2, and he's talking about the 70s yeah. stuff. Marvel 2 and 1 was Thing plus guest character. Marvel team-up was Spider-Man plus guest character. It'd be interesting to go back and look, read all of those because there were so many Claremont and then Claremont and Byrne and Claremont and whomever issues of team up the two in one creative teams. I don't remember as well, mm. but like it's a, it's a bold statement yeah. by one whacker. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, on to Marvel's Spider-Man velocity number two written by Dennis hopeless Hallam art by Emilio Lyso colors by Rochelle Rosenberg letters by VCs, Travis Lanham. Uh, this again continues the story of Marvel's Spider-Man exclusively for PlayStation four, giving us, new characters, new uh, avenues. We're really exploring Spider-Man with his velocity suit, but, you know, him using that to fight different characters and deal with different problems. There's two key uh, characters that show up in this issue that are versions of known Spider-Man adjacent characters. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say if they're good, bad, whatever they are. I want you to experience this, but if you're a fan of the video games, seeing how the team then takes... Uh, the ideas for these characters and then makes them their own is really cool. One is a major Spidey character. The other one is relatively minor, but I love the twist for both of them. Um, it's, you know, I, I love when they add the elements to this world. I think if you like the game at all, this is something you got to read. Totally. All right, next up is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 47. Uh, it's written by Brandon Montclair with art by Aletha E. Martinez, colors by Tom Bonvillain, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And this is 
the final issue of this run of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I'm sure we'll see them very, very, very soon. But man, oh man, what a run it's been. Uh, I honestly cannot say enough good things about this series, about this creative team, Brandon and company, Amy Reader, everyone who's been involved, because it is a book really unlike any other. It captures so much heart. It captures um, really... Uh, everything good and hopeful and challenging in a lot of ways about the Marvel Universe. I love Lunella Lafayette, um, and I've loved uh, this. Uh, you know, these 47 issues have just been a delight, an endless delight. This uh, issue is part two of Ms. Fantastic. That's the arc we have going on here. And I love it because it sees uh, uh, Lunella teaming up with the Fantastic Four, the you know this Lower East Side crew uh, who are all pretty much neighbors at this point. And it you know it really made me think. This is something that it's actually popping up a few times this week. Is just about like character lineage and the lineage of a mantle or of an idea that is kind of passed on across generations through Marvel comics and through heroes. Um, and this is one that actually I think strikes a unique chord in that way because I, I see Lunella, you know, as, um, uh, as a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say little sibling cause I don't think it's that it's, they're that closely related, but something there, I think there is a spiritual connection between Lunella and the fantastic four and really specifically, um, uh, Lunella and Reed Richards. And so we get some great stuff, uh, there. These two obviously being two of the smartest people, uh, in the universe, uh, the way that they solve problems together, we get to dig into that in a, in a, in a bunch of really, really fun ways. Here. Um, and then, of course, we have Doombot action out the wazoo, which is, of course, the perfect way to go out for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Old Devil is being, uh, you know, the, the cutest, sweetest, best, uh, while also chomping and stomping his way through the story. I love it so much. Uh, we exit on the perfect note. Um, you know, this is really the way to go out for me, um, just with so much heart and hope and uh, really just that specific Moon Girl and Devil's Dinosaur tone that we've all gotten to know and love over the past few years. It's the best. Um, and like I said, I'm sure we'll see them uh, again very, very, very soon. For sure. 47 yeah. issues for a character that was created brand new and then pretty into, stunning uh, like is, is getting a show yeah it's wild it's pretty stunning it's amazing yeah. yeah uh kudos to everyone there all right up next is my first pick of the week it is new mutants war children number one this is a special uh one off i think it's you know one of our marvel 80th anniversary special issues uh and it brings back chris claremont and bill sinkevich come on it's nuts I can't take it. I was like reading this. I was like, I, uh, like I would, I would literally read anything by these two. Right. Like I would read them telling the story of like a worm crossing a sidewalk. I would do any, do anything. Yeah, it, it's, it, they're so spectacular. It's so good. Uh, the two of them, they they write and you know draw this. Uh, Chris Sotomayor is on colors. VCs Clayton Cowles is on letters. Uh, and so if you don't know New Mutants, if you don't know Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz, they had a, a legendary run. On the New Mutants in the 80s, the New Mutants were the, you know, the young next generation for the X-Men. They were created um, as, you know, like 
an answer because the originally the, the original X-Men were students for Xavier's school and they were, you know, what Xavier was starting up. But those characters were growing older. Um, and as you know, even then the all new, all different team came in, they were older, you know, Wolverine is a billion years old storm <laughs> and, and Nightcrawler and the rest of them there. And like they're, you know, early twenties, late teens at the, at the youngest, but yeah. really like they're in their twenties probably. And so the new mutants was the, this way to, to bring back that school aspect. Uh, and you know, they took Kitty pride, who is our POV character in, in uncanny X-Men, who was younger. She was 13, 14 bring her into this new mutants team to give us some familiarity and then give them their own characters and their problems and, and all the cool stuff. Uh, and so it started out with, you know, Claremont doing, I think Bob McLeod was the first artist on it. I could be wrong, but Bill Stankiewicz comes in, you know, shortly thereafter and his style is so weird and scratchy and strange and, like it makes you pay attention. It makes you look at everything to see how he's framing a page, how he is drawing action, what he is doing. Uh, and he makes you pay attention to it, but it's not something that is unclear. I think it's a really, he like, you know, walks the razor's edge of being so odd that you you don't know what's going on, but being so clear and perfect in his storytelling where you are never falling aside from you know what they're trying to tell you it is something that i highly suggest everyone take a look at totally um and speaking of jonathan hickman next up this week we have powers of 10 number five which uh jonathan hickman writes uh and art on this is by rb silva with colors by Marte gracia and letters by vcs clayton cowles you know it's it's funny Reading this back to back with New Mutants, uh, War Children, for a, obviously a bunch of different reasons, but one of them being strictly visual with the Phalanx and uh, the way that you know that whole kind of you know as we've gotten to know this story and its various settings more and more. Uh, that whole thing is just so, it feels so straight out of, you know, a Sienkiewicz, uh, New Mutants, um, Warlock kind of, uh, you know, like Im literally impossible to describe unless you're looking at it. And that's what makes it so special is because it truly looks like nothing else uh, in the Marvel Universe. And really what's so cool about Powers of Ten is to see the reverberations of everything that happens because you see things that you're one, you're ten, hundred, a thousand, and you s slowly piece together, oh, this is a result of that in House of X or this is a result of that from a couple issues years ago and Powers of Ten and see how it all weaves together and to see how something that happens now um, is different than what happens, you know, uh, you know, later or what happens in year 100 is different from year 1000 or whatever. To see all of that um, piece together and come together slowly as we've gotten closer to the end of these two series has been so fascinating. And even honestly, thinking back to like House of X number one and little moments that happened in there that were spoken about in that room of just like, oh, that thing that started there, that's going to have reverberations years down the line. Uh, which is just so cool. I mean, it's why it's so amazing. Uh, also really cool is my second pick of the week, which is Punisher Kill Crew number three. This is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Juan Ferreira, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And man, look, if you need one reason to read this issue, it would have to be Juggernaut vomiting on Foggy Nelson. 
It is one of the funniest moments. I was reading it on the couch uh, last night, uh, like cracking up. My wife, she's like, what's going on? And I show her and she goes, oh, God. It was so fun. It is wild. I laughed so hard. Jerry Duggan, master of the vom. He is yeah. the vomit king of Marvel Comics. Yeah, he is. Um, and then you get Juan to draw it, and it's bonkers. The, but Juggernaut is in this issue because a bunch of Frost Giants had captured Juggernaut, and they're like Frost Giant magicians, and they want to pull the Gem of Sidorak off of Juggernaut. They want to gain that power. So there's really cool, gnarly stuff. And then Punisher shows up, and it's just like to, to let Juggernaut loose. And then you get bonkers stuff in this issue that basically juggernaut <laughs> starts running through the frost giants there's scenes of just like bits and pieces of frost giants like exploding out because juggernaut is going through them so fast and so hard he's like cutting them off cutting their legs off by running through them mm-hmm. exploding them the one scene that causes juggernaut to vomit is because of something punisher does to <laughs> one of one of the uh one of the frost giants it is wild is so much fun it is over the top it is unspeakable in some ways it is not for the faint of heart it is like not a kid book at all (laughs) but it is so good and then you also has really like intentionally funny moments and then really touching moments oddly there's a moment with juggernaut where like i don't want to give anything away but it's just this moment where you're like yeah man like I love this. This is this is what's happening. And then you flip, and then there's a page of of Daredevil eating sandwiches with the Avengers in like Avengers Mansion or Avengers Tower or whatever. Like still from the after effects of War of the Realms, and they're just like, "Ooh, man!" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I was worried about you too." Foggy, chom 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 chom. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I love this book so much. High, high, high recommend. Totally. Um, uh, hey, going from one pick of the week to another. This is my first pick of the week. It's Star Wars Age of Resistance, Kylo Ren, number one. Uh, it's written by Tom Taylor with pencils by Leonard Kirk, inks by Corey Hampshire, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Um, I'm a huge fan, obviously, of Tom Taylor. Uh, and then when you, so when you give me Tom Taylor and Star Wars, I lose my mind. Uh, and, uh, so I'm liable to pick, uh, one of these age of resistance stories every single time. I just am such a huge fan of the way he writes these characters. It's, you know, it's something that we've spoken about on the show. It's something that we've spoken about just in conversation about how big of a deal Star Wars comics are right now. I mean, they really are one of the main mediums uh, uh, media, uh, uh, of storytelling in the Star Wars universe at the moment. Um, there are really, really big things happening. In this one, we dig into Kylo Ren in a fascinating way, um, not just in terms of his quiet moments, which is really interesting, moments when he's alone, when he's in meditation, but then we also kind of get the story of this invasion that Kylo Ren leads the First Order on, and we see how it echoes uh, Darth Vader and uh, the Empire in the past, uh, uh, literally visualized at times in kind of parallel panels uh, with, you know, moments from the past with Vader uh, doing similar things to what Kylo is doing right now uh, in a way that is so fascinating um, because it allows us to kind of see 
obviously how they're similar, how Kylo has been influenced by the legacy of Darth Vader, but also how they're different, crucially. Um, and it, you know, shines a spotlight on what makes Kylo Ren, the villain side of him, so special and unique and so modern in so many ways because, you know, he has his specific way of doing things. He has his way that's, um, you know, can be pretty brash and angry and, like, out of control almost at times. And then, uh, you know, uh, to see how, you know, Vader handles certain situations differently in a more austere manner, in a more kind of, uh, I don't want to say controlled, but in a way that's more, uh, maybe more calculated um, at at times. You know, Vader is more like, um, Vader is like Jason, you know what I mean? Mm. And Kylo is more, you know, like he's more like in your face screaming, you know, like anger, you know, with this, you know, great agility and, and firepower, whereas Vader is just this stalking presence. So to see how they echo each other is so interesting. And, um, uh, yeah, like I said, there's just so much great stuff to come, uh, in the world of Star Wars comics and specifically in the world of Kylo Ren Star Wars comics. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, All right. Up next is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple, number two, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Paolo Villanelli, colors by Arif Prianto, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, This one, you know, you could tell how much Matt loves Star Wars by seeing how he handles a droid. You know, a little quirky, a bit funny, fairly troublesome. The Jedi Seri Junda teams up with a droid called N3Lo for some really fun moments. There's like this big battle, uh, the droid like causing chaos, getting her spotted. It, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, I love the voice that Matt writes for this particular Jedi. It just feels so natural. And of course, you've got all uh, the Jedi stuff involved with this. You've got Inquisitors. You've got um, you know nasty stuff with. Uh, various people trying to take other people's land and and places away and um, really cool story. And next up, uh, back to more Darth Vader with Star Wars Target Vader. This is issue number three. Um, It's written by Robbie Thompson with art by Stefano Landini, colors by Niraj Menon, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, This is such a great um, you know, it's a bounty hunter story. It's a story of uh, exactly as the title says, they're going to take down Vader. Um, and, you know, speaking of where we just, you know, what I was just mentioning with the, the Kylo book, the relentless presence and the, the um, you know, how just frankly unstoppable at times Vader is, unkillable, is so cool. And in the way that it's uh, structured in this story, the way that we get those awesome Vader moments where he is truly just relentless, it's so much fun. Robbie Thompson obviously knows Star Wars up there with the best of them. Um, so to see his take on these various characters is so, so cool. Um, uh, also just great ship designs, great character designs in here. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I just love it. I love the echoes of old school Star Wars comics um, uh, mixed in with uh, this, uh, you know, kind of modern take on this story to see how it's visualized. Yeah, it's a great midway point for this series. Heck yeah. All right, up next is Strike Force number one, written by Teeny Howard, art by Herman Peralta, colors by Jordi Belair, lettering and design by VCs Joe Sabino. And it's my second pick of the week. Um, man, oh man. Well, I mentioned the retreat last week 
at which I got to meet Teeny Howard for the first time. <laughs> and um, if you're not a Teeny Howard fan, you are out of your dang mind um, because she is the best and uh, she has some great stuff on the way, starting right here with Strike Force number one. It's so fun to see uh, the clear, like, influences and direction that a story is going f- just from the off here. You know what I mean? You know from kind of the first three pages, I feel like, the kind of story that this is going to be uh, in a way that isn't um, – I don't mean that in a way that's like it tells you the the story or you, it's it's predictable or anything like that. I don't mean it that way. I mean it in terms of like, oh, this is the world we're in. This is the corner of the universe we're in. This is the kind of story we're telling. Uh, so to have uh, this collection of heroes, anti-heroes, what, what, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, is so much fun. But it was actually kind of unexpected in a way at the same time to see how we actually get to the Strike Force crew. Uh, and that was so fun to see Teeny write a bunch of these different characters in here, not just the team itself, um, uh, but uh, the kind of introduction of how this team t- comes together. Um, what kind of uh, group they are. I think from the very start when I think we announced this book on on the poll list, um, uh, talking about how this is kind of a crew that, uh, you know, maybe uh, takes care of jobs that uh, the uh, Avengers or maybe some of the uh, kind of above board teams don't necessarily want to take on. Um, so this team is really one to get their hands dirty and go and, you know, take on some really super unique missions. And I know Teeny has some big plans for this crew and rightfully so, because it is so unique. Uh, it's such a great mixture of things. Obviously the, you know, the, the one that the character that I'm most excited to see really, you know, at the forefront, at the center of this story is Blade. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I feel like the kind of ethos of Blade is, in a lot of ways, what informs this team. And, you know, and I think you can you get a, an idea of the team uh, based on the fact that Blade is is one of the, the the members of it. Did you run through the whole team? No, I didn't. We should. Yeah. Team is Blade, Angela, Spectrum, aka Monica Rambeau, mm-hmm. Winter Soldier, Spider Woman, aka Jessica Drew, Wiccan, and uh, we see Hellstorm or Hellstrom show up. Yeah. So. It's a pretty cool squad. It's really cool. Yeah, I want to give also a special shout out to the editorial team for this book, yeah. which is Will Moss and Sarah Brunstad, uh, who, you know, they give us the Thor books, the um, you know, War of the Realms. What's that? Unbeatable Squirrel. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, yeah, and, and many more. Uh, I think we have great editors here yeah. across the board. They are very important in, in telling stories, even though they don't take the credit. They they are really key, uh, and having Will and Sarah on this is, is great. Yeah, seriously. Uh, okay, next up we have uh, Superior Spider-Man number 11. This is written by Christos Gage with pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Wade Von Graubadger, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, whoa, this issue felt like it really exploded. Yeah. Like, um, obviously we're dealing with like the aftermath of a huge event at the end of last issue. Um, th- you know, superior Spider-Man is kind of reeling from that, trying to catch up to the villains at play. Um, honestly, I did not expect 
this issue to go where it went because things kind of keep going wrong. And to see that happening for a character who has this edge, I mean, speaking of Strike Force, speaking of characters with kind of a dark side to them, obviously Otto Octavius is right, you know, perfectly in that vein. Um, to see how things keep going wrong, to see the solutions that, you know, uh, the Superior Spider Man comes across, um, to see the challenges he's met with are so interesting. And this issue, uh, why I say it explodes, is because, like, Several major characters come into play in this uh, uh, in this issue in a really big ways that were totally unexpected um, and make perfect sense. But they're also it's such an interesting challenge because it's like how do you um, how do you challenge a, a a good guy who's kind of also a bad guy? You put them up against characters who you know, make them pale in comparison in terms of how terrible they are. And that I feel like is a real challenge to the, the heart and the allegiances of, of a character like superior Spider-Man. Uh, this was like a huge leap of an issue. Uh, and I mean that in the best way, like we're taking a big leap forward and it's really, really cool. I am genuinely concerned for Otto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it at that. All right. Up next is Thanos number six written by Teeny Howard, art by Ariel Olivetti, colors by Antonio Fabella, lettering by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, this one, you know, it's just been a sad, sweet story about parenthood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something my mom always told me was how she was trying her best to give me a life that was better than what she was given. And that, that like really sticks with me because she grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. I grew up thinking I had so much and I was always felt great. But knowing now, especially as an adult, how much she struggled and how difficult it was and how we didn't have a lot um, – you know, I, I think about that, and when I have children, and I want to give them even more. It's really important to me. So, I, you know, I, I read this book through that lens, especially this issue, which is interesting to watch as Gamora reflects on her childhood, talking to the this child version of the Magus who is destined to be like a universal cosmic evil, mm-hmm. uh, like a threat to life. Um, a sort of like conqueror, uh, a twister of minds and, and souls and belief and all this other stuff. But this child version is just like this kid. He's he's like doesn't want to be that. He doesn't know what he, who he is or what he is. And so she's dealing with all this and reflecting on her childhood and making a very difficult series of decisions because of what she had. So she is trying to make this child's life better in whatever way she can even though it's not a simple, easy thing. It's a really, it's great. We Teeny and I talked a little bit about this on um, This Week of Marvel. Teeny's going to be uh, on the show in a little bit. We recorded with her. We talked about all the different projects. But, um, yeah, I was. this has been a really cool series, especially I think this one's going to benefit from reading it all at once. So yeah. if you read it as a collection or read all the issues as they come out, I think you're going to get um, an even bigger connection to it. Definitely agreed. Last book this week is Wolverine Annual Number 1. This is under the Acts of Evil banner. This is written by Jody Hauser with art by Geraldo Borges, colors by Marcio Meniz and Miroslav Merva, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Just right off the bat, knowing that Jody Hauser's writing a Wolverine story here is a delight. I dove into this, this issue just strictly on that alone uh, and then uh, enjoyed it so much along the way. One, I want to say something that struck, struck me literally immediately from page one is Rollo Borges' take on these characters, which is very unique. And uh, I, I think specifically it like 
Spidey it shows up in the first scene, and it's like a real like Spider-Man as a bug kind of uh, mm-hmm. look, which is which is all really really cool. One of my Wolverine fetishes is yeah. uh, <laughs> when his headpiece, his like mask with the like yes the the pointy parts yeah when it's drawn smaller when those points are drawn. Smaller, I love it because yeah. often you see them and they're like big and exaggerated and really cool. But when they're smaller, it it adds this like feralness yes. to Wolverine. It makes him look more intense and scary. And I, I love the way Jorge drew him there. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely know exactly what you're saying. This issue was super unique, something that I did not expect at all because essentially uh, we have the kind of modern-day Wolverine story, and that's our entrance, uh, and then it's kind of bookended really by that uh, because we dive into the past, into uh, experiences that have really made Wolverine who he is today. I think we jump into uh, a story that takes place, if I'm correct, in 1938. Uh, Yeah, Uh, where it's kind of like... um, you know, it's it, first of all, it's colored differently. It looks really uh, kind of it has this beautiful kind of pinkish hue to the whole thing. You kind of understand that we're in a different time in a different place and we're examining his mind in a unique way. Um, but it really gets to the center of like, you know, he's this gruff, uh, tough dude who uh, has at the heart of all of that just an extraordinary amount of pain in his past. Uh, and to see that, to see him 80 years ago, you know, at a real low point is so, so interesting. And I think it's a really, really great examination of this character. And it's a great use of a one shot like this. I think it's a perfect kind of story to tell for this. And then to see uh, his, uh, you know, like I said, how the story is bookended is really, really fascinating. Jody Hauser uh, is so excellent at her job. I was not disappointed at all. Loved it a ton. Uh, okay, that's what we have for individual issues on sale this week on 925. Uh, collections on sale include Spider-Man and Wolverine by Wells and Moderera, Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender, The Complete Collection, Volume 1 and 2, X-Men Infernal Prologue, Young Avengers by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, The Complete Collection. Those are some really good collections yeah. out there. Like Any of those are worth picking up, sitting down with. And just like getting absorbed into those stories. Mm -hmm. Really good. Uh, On the Marvel Unlimited side of things, there's a whole bunch of stuff added to the app this uh, and the service this week, uh, including the end of the Jessica Jones Purple Daughter uh, digital series. So now you can read that full story, which is great. Um, Marvel's Spider-Man City at War, number one. So if you want to learn about the story of the uh, video game, this is the start of it. Uh, Issue two of Meet the Scrolls is out. Spider-Man Life Story number one. I said already? Already. Six months? That's what it said in the the doc that I had. Oh, man. So if I'm wrong, wow, tickle me pink. (laughs) Uh, But it is so good. That is a must read if you've missed it. Uh, Then some of the classic stuff added to MU this week include Creatures on the Loose, issues 31 through 37, featuring ya boy, Man Wolf, with some art by George Tusca and... George Perez. That wow. is the key right there is George Perez in 1974 and 1975. And then we also have two issues of Marvel premiere from 1979 featuring Man Wolf with George Perez art. So cool. I feel I like there's Man a Wolf. theme there. Love it. Yeah. So good. Uh, all right. That is our episode for this week. Hopefully we'll see some of you in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, if not. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.